I'm Matthew Petty and this is Intersection. For a few hours on Wednesday, chaos ruled in the halls of Congress after a pro-Trump mob broke in, halting the electoral vote count. In the aftermath, once the Capitol was cleared and lawmakers returned to debate, some who said they had planned to voice objections to the count changed their minds. This hour, we're talking about that chaos in D.C. We're taking your calls as well. What's What are your thoughts about the scenes in the nation's capital and what happens between now and Inauguration Day? We'll also discuss the significance of the Georgia Senate runoff election delivering control of the Senate and all three chambers in that manner to the Democrats. You can join the conversation. Give us a call, one 338 5252 That's one 338 5252 Also send us a tweet. We are at WMFE Orlando. Joining us, uh, political commentator Dick Batchelor. He's a former Democratic state lawmaker and founder of the Dick Batchelor Management Group. Dick, nice to have you back. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Also joined by former Florida Supreme Court Justice James Perry. Justice Perry, thank you as well. Um, thank you. And later in the show, we'll hear from uh, Frank Torres. He's a Republican political analyst, and we have other guests joining us as well. Um, well, first of all, let's just play a little bit of sound. This is U.S. Representative Mike Waltz, a Republican from Central Florida. The Florida lawmaker said initially he said he would object to some of the Electoral College votes. He changed his mind after the riots in the Capitol, saying in a statement, quote, after the despicable display of violence and intimidation, we must move on to ensure a peaceful transfer of power and certify the election. Let's take a listen to Representative Waltz speaking on ABC yesterday. And we will have a peaceful transfer of power. We absolutely should have a peaceful transfer of power again. That's what makes America different than the rest of the world where I've served, uh, where I've fought, and where so many people around the world are struggling to have the luxury of what we have here, which is resolving disputes peacefully. Uh, Dick Batchelor, what do you make of that change of heart from uh, U.S. Representative Mike Waltz? I think it was a change of heart and not much of a change of a backbone. Uh, the fact is he's he's uh, late in doing this. In fact, he's wrong. Uh, we don't have a peaceful transfer of power. We did until yesterday. We have one that's guaranteed by the Constitution and by law. Uh, the House and Senate try to convene and uh, validate the Electoral College votes. And then the president gets on the eclipse and gives a speech, one more speech, throwing the red meat to the frothing crowd and saying, you know, you need to march down to the Capitol. They did exactly what the president incited them to do. It was mm-hmm. a delicious act. So there was not a, a there was a peaceful transfer of power though yesterday. There was not. Mm-hmm. And the question is whether or not people like Congressman, uh, Congressman uh, Waltz and others of his colleagues had the the real backbone now to stand up to this president. Put Mike Pence in charge for the next two weeks. Have somebody sane in charge. This is uncalled for. It's unprecedented. It's, it's unnecessary, unparalleled, and just really a travesty. There was not a peaceful transfer of power until was until yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to uh, hear now from somebody who was uh, actually in Congress yesterday while this uh, drama was unfolding. We're joined now by Democratic State uh, U.S. Representative Stephanie Murphy. Representative Murphy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you, Matthew. All right. So Wednesday looked chaotic and terrifying from the outside. What was it like from your perspective? Uh, A bit harrowing um, from the inside as well. Um, There were, uh, there was an angry mob and let's be 
clear that's what they were. They weren't uh, peaceful protesters. They were people who were trying to usurp the will of the people uh, through violence. And I'm, I'm a refugee. You know, my family escaped tyranny. Um, and this country rescued us. Uh, America has always, for me, been the beacon of democracy. And so yesterday was a particularly heartbreaking day for me because I think those of us who are Americans um, by choice, Americans who know uh, that there is an alternative to democracy and it's ugly and always used to think not in our country, not here, um, saw the scenes that we saw on the Capitol and uh, were just very, very uh, disappointed. It looked like the Capitol Police just weren't prepared for the onslaught. What do you think needs to happen to make sure something like this doesn't repeat? Well, certainly there needs to be an assessment of what happened. Um, you know, it's it's too soon. The fog of war is still clearing. In fact, you know, in the halls of Congress, the tear gas is still being blown out um, right now. Um, so literally the fog of war is still lifting. We need to do a complete assessment of what happened. Uh, the Capitol Police who assisted me yesterday did their job um, well um, but we need to take a look at the entire uh, operation and how we can do better. Um, the Capitol is a symbol of our republic, and uh, violent riders were uh, were able to breach the, the perimeter and get inside and desecrate um, offices and uh, parts of the symbol of our, our democracy and our, our republic, and, and we have to make sure that we don't allow that to happen again. Was your office vandalized? Gratefully, um, my office was not vandalized. I had locked it up before I fled. Hmm. Um, why do you think there weren't more arrests? I mean, we heard something on the line of 15 arrests to start with, and then they said there would be more. But if you contrast that to what we saw over the summer when there were multiple arrests, um, but what, what do you think went on there and why weren't more people held accountable in the moment? You know, again, we're going to have to do a complete assessment of that. And the good thing is that the Capitol compound has a lot of cameras everywhere. And so we will be able to see the actions of those who should be heralded as heroes. And we will also see the actions of those who may need corrective um, action taken um, against them in the way that they responded. Um, but but again, I, you know, I have to emphasize that it's the fog of war, um, and these uh, law enforcement officers were, I believe, on the most part, were trying to do the best they could, and we have injured officers, and I am keeping them in my thoughts and prayers um, as they try to recover from the injuries they sustain trying to protect our capital. Um, and there were a lot of angry people uh, with weapons and um, in the capital region. So... We, it's too soon to say what went wrong. We need to have a thorough assessment and then um, use the facts and the data that we have to uh, determine what happened and how we can do better. If you're just joining us, my guest is U.S. Representative Stephanie Murphy from Central Florida. We're talking about what happened in the Capitol yesterday when uh, pro-Trump uh, folks took over the Capitol for a time interrupting the electoral vote count. 
You can call in as well, one 338 is the number. Send us a tweet at WMFE Orlando. Um, Representative Murphy, is there some blame? I mean, we, we heard some kind of suggestions from some Democrats that uh, what might have stoked this was not only the words of the president, but also the notion that, um, uh, you know, calling into question the votes that were cast and and that may have tied into the, the violence as well. What are your thoughts on that? The violence, I, I think that my colleagues, uh, especially those from the other side of the aisle, who in recent days and weeks have supported this president's um, un, uh, you know, un, uh, unsubstantiated claims that the election was stolen and used words that may have incited uh, violence, they need to do a lot of soul-searching. Um, as elected officials in the greatest democracy in the world and think about what their role was in this and how we as a nation can heal and do better. Um, But what yesterday proved was that rhetoric and words have consequence. And they, just like the rest of us, were in lockdown and I'm and fleeing uh, from office spaces and hiding from gunshots. Um, And those rioters that they may have contributed to unleashing weren't checking people's party identification before they tried to seek to harm them. And so I think my colleagues need to do um, some soul searching about why they are in public service and whether or not they are living up to their uh, oath to defend the Constitution against threats, foreign and domestic. There have been calls for President Trump to be removed uh, in this last couple of weeks before the inauguration. Do you support that? If the vice president uh, were willing to um, uh, invoke the 25th Amendment, I would support him. You know, it is unacceptable for us to have a president who has repeatedly condoned violence and even encouraged this kind of despicable behavior. And I've already voted to impeach President Trump. I think he's unfit for office. But I would ask you to ask my Republican colleagues who voted against that process whether they're reconsidering their actions. But, you know, the good news is that in um, just a, a less than two weeks, He will not be president. And our goal right now should be to focus on ensuring a peaceful transition of power. Mm -hmm. And I have some hope from last night that despite the efforts to disrupt the democratic process, we were able to get beyond the violence and go back and do our work to uphold our duty to the Constitution and to defend this democracy. Are you worried about what might happen in the next couple of weeks or indeed on Inauguration Day? I think we saw what could happen and we have to be better prepared. We've been speaking with Democratic U.S. Representative Stephanie Murphy from Central Florida about the uh, violence and chaos in the U.S. Capitol yesterday. Representative Murphy, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Stay safe, be well. I want to turn to you now, uh, former uh, Justice uh, James Perry. What was going through your mind watching those events unfold um, yesterday afternoon? 
Well, I can't say I was shocked or alarmed because they've been telling us for years what they plan to do with these uh, so-called uh, uh, paramilitary, I mean, all this training. They've been buying 300 million assault weapons. They're preparing for the Civil War with the root case in uh, Wilmington, I mean, in Charlotte, in mm-hmm. Charleston, North Carolina. Dylan Ruth told us what the plan was. Uh, and this it was simply a manifestation of what they've been doing all along. President Trump has been stoking violent talk ever since. I mean, when he first started talking about the carnage in America, he brought the carnage to the to the uh, to the capital. Uh, I was thinking that uh, there was there were lack of police uh, <coughs> policemen in the uh, uh, to start this effort. Mm-hmm. But then I understand, having studied history and understand civics, that police power is in the executive branch of government, and the executive branch of government is controlled by the president, and the president is the one who's spoken this. So you're asking a hen to watch a hen house, the, 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 the fox to watch a hen house. I mean, this should have been expected. These people have been telling us forever what they were going to do. And President Trump has always... Uh, advocated violence and and, and and his rallies, even saying that he would pay for anyone arrested for 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 uh, uh, hitting protesters. He always talked about maybe we need to invoke our Second Amendment rights. I mean, those are all code words for for this violence that this man has been rejecting throughout his presidency, and he 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 he's the one that told them. To go down to the Capitol, him and his children, Donald Trump Jr., uh, uh, even Ivanka, called them patriots. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you expect? I want to ask you, too, about the last, I guess, 24 to 48 hours, because this, uh, what happened yesterday came, you know, not a day after the historic runoff elections for Senate in Georgia, uh, election of the first black Democratic senator from that state. What kind of seesaw was that like for you? Well, you know, uh, I've, I've been first in many, many instances, and I know being first doesn't really mean anything. It really means a backlash. The fact that the Georgia uh, elected the first black senator, it also uh, had the had the, uh, other candidate was Jewish. So the a black and the Jew were the antithesis of these people, these terrorists. I won't call them rioters. This terrorist venom. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you you had to expect a backlash, but this wasn't just a backlash against them, because this whole uh, this whole matter about uh, uh, voter fraud and etc. were all been targeted toward minority majority black communities uh, that uh, uh, that voted for Biden, knowing that Trump was, if he wasn't a racist, the racists think he's a racist, and we know that what he is. There's no doubt about that. We've always, so I guess from a black perspective, you know, I was more concerned about about democracy than, than, than racial justice, because I knew under Trump there would be no racial justice. But uh, the thing that trumps that is, and I use that, pardon that pun, is our democracy was at stake. Those people were trying to, they were anarchists, 
trying to tear the whole democratic system of government down, and we're the laughingstock of the world. And I guess black people have always been the canary in the mind. We always knew that this could happen or would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dick Batchelor, uh, you know, we talked before uh, about the so-called interregnum, the sort of period between the election and inauguration. Is this kind of how you saw things playing out maybe two months ago? Yeah, obviously, just not playing out this way at all. We certainly knew that there would be a protest to the Electoral College votes, but no one... I, I, I go back to what Justice Perry said. I almost said no one predicted what happened yesterday, but we should have seen it coming. In fact, there's a report that there was online planning, uh, very uh, visible, and the Capitol Police should have known that. They should have been better backed up. And why did it take so many hours to deploy the National Guard I compared this to, I think you alluded to, at Lafayette Park and the protests there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look at the, uh, you know, the the army, the National Guard was deployed immediately. A lot of arrests were made, and then again, uh, compare that to uh, yesterday. Very few arrests have been made. You, you made that point. Very few arrests have been made, but they do have videotapes of these people who are actually breaking the windows, going in and occupying the speaker's office, and so. Hopefully there will be a this, – this cannot go unpunished. Mm. So the answer is no. I, I did not anticipate it, but certainly those in the know in the military, Secret Service, Capitol Police should have anticipated better than they did and been more protective of uh, the People's House, the U.S. Congress. Um Justice, former Justice uh, James Perry, I wanted to just come back to you uh, before we go to a break. And, uh, you know, I mean, it has been a, a very tumultuous 48 hours. I mean, that that, that uh, election in Georgia, notwithstanding your comment about, you know, being first doesn't necessarily mean too much in some cases or it could lead to a backlash. Uh, I mean, in spite of all the violence, do you have some optimism still for the future. I'm wondering how much work you think is still left to do to fix inequalities in voting, policing, uh, justice, and and the other things that that folks have been marching for uh, for a very long time. You know, my fear is that this was not, yesterday was not the end. This was just the beginning. Because you have to remember, over 70 million people voted and supported this man of low character, low intellect, no morals, no understanding of history, and a racist. They they supported that for whatever reason, and and they're still out there. Trump did not did not create this. They were there. He emboldened them. He brought them into the mainstream. He brought them into the White House. You know, some of his top aides are racist. Bannon, uh, what's the other kid's name from Duke? Graduate Duke. Uh, um, Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller, yes. Name it. I mean, hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's inculcated into the whole thing. We always knew that. And, it, and they're diminishing the Voters' Rights Act so that the voter people couldn't vote for anymore. Uh, black people can't vote. I mean, this is voter suppression, and this was the ultimate voter suppression when they went to the, to the Capitol to keep the senators, the Electoral College, from voting. Mm-hmm. Voter suppression is what this is really about. 
Uh, we've been speaking to... It's not going to stop. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we've been speaking to former Florida Supreme Court Justice James Perry talking about the uh, violence in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Uh, Justice Perry, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. And uh, stay on the line, Dick Batchelor. We're going to go to a break, but we'll return after that. You are listening to Intersection on 90.7 News. We're live talking about the chaos in D.C. reactions from Floridians and what comes next. We are taking your calls and you can reach out to us on Twitter as well. We are back in a minute. This is Intersection. I'm Matthew Petty. We're live talking about the chaos in DC, reactions from Floridians. Taking your calls as well. Uh, what do you think of the scenes in the nation's capital yesterday? And what are your thoughts about what may happen between now and Inauguration Day and beyond? one 338 is the number. That's one 338 You can also send us a tweet. We're at WMFE Orlando. A couple of our listeners uh, writing to us. Here's something from Ben. And he says, The inaction of the Capitol Hill Police was in stark contrast to their show of force for BLM and social justice protests last summer. Do your panellists agree that a sweeping civil rights investigation into right-wing extremism and white supremacy in police forces is warranted? Also, Brandon writing in saying, uh, when we extend tolerance to those who are openly intolerant, the tolerant ones end up being destroyed with tolerance from them. Defending tolerance requires to not tolerate intolerance, the paradox of tolerance indeed. Uh, thanks for those uh, comments. You can send us more of those on Twitter at WMFE Orlando. Call in as well, one eight six six three three eight five two five two. Joining us, political commentators Dick Batchelor and Frank Torres. Um, I want to hear a little bit, too, from uh, some elected officials in central Florida. They have been weighing in, including Sheriff Mike Chitwood and John Mina. They condemned the violence. You also heard yesterday from Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings, former sheriff of Orange County himself. Here he is. Uh, there was an auto failure there. Uh, they should have anticipated uh, what occurred, uh, that the crowd would be there. I just happened to have been in Washington, D.C. Uh, over the weekend. I flew back here on Monday evening. And before I left, I saw um, the gatherings begin there in Washington at the Capitol. And so I know from that point, based upon my training and experience, uh, they should have been proactive. However, I think what perhaps was not expected that complicated uh, the people who were they're freely express, expressing their First Amendment right was the president. All right, so that was um, former sheriff of Orange County, now mayor, of course, uh, Jerry Demings, talking about what happened in D.C. yesterday. Um, I want to go to a call now. We have uh, whom I am. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I hope I am. But uh, what's on your mind thinking about what happened yesterday and what happens next? Thank you very much. Uh, I, I am an immigrant. I came to the United States in 1989, pursued my degree in chemical engineering, and was enamored with this system because uh, what we saw yesterday is what used to happen in Pakistan all the time. And uh, having to see it happen here was very disheartening. And I just simply want to say that uh, it is up to us to select the leadership that is more tolerant and progressive. And uh, every time we put somebody in power that is uh, focused on an ideology, whether it be uh, 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 right or left or 
simply white supremacist in, in, in certain aspects of what's been happening in the recent past. That's something that we all have ownership of. Hmm. We need to be better at selecting our leaders. Thank you so much for your call. I appreciate that. Um, I want to bring in another voice into this conversation, uh, Sheriff of Orange County, John Mina, is on the line. Uh, Sheriff Mina, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, good afternoon. Thank you. So you were fairly forceful in your condemnation of what happened yesterday. You described the uh, the folks who broke into the Capitol as domestic terrorists, which is something that we, we haven't heard a lot of uh, elected officials using that language. I mean, there's been a kind of a range of descriptions. Um, just give us your sense of, of what went on as a law enforcement person yourself. Uh, you know, what happened that allowed what we saw yesterday? Well, you know, again, the, the images that, that we saw and continue to see as more and more video and, and, and pictures uh, come out on social media, it, it just saddens me to think that our capital could be attacked like that. And, you know, when you have people um, breaking in uh, to the U.S. capital, uh, to me, that's domestic terrorism. That is a an avenue to stop and to halt gov- government um, to possibly harm uh, our elected leaders who represent all of us. And, you know, obviously it's early on in the investigation. I'm sure there's going to be uh, many investigations and certainly an after-action report, but obviously um, there was not enough preparation or coordination uh, between the the law enforcement agencies in the very beginning. It seems like after several hours, uh, they did uh, get together and were able to, to get things under control. Do you see a disconnect between the violence in the halls of Congress and the response from law enforcement over the summer and beyond, you know, you know what played out in, uh, in the Capitol um, and cities across the country when protests were put down pretty forcefully? Now, so what I, what I think and what, what I saw was maybe a disbelief in law enforcement that that could actually happen um, by, by people out there who were gathering around the Capitol. And, that, you know, and that's, that's the mistake. Uh, anytime you have large numbers of, of crowds, um, you know, shouting any type of rhetoric, whether it's against government, against law enforcement, um, you need to be prepared, and you don't always have to show that force up front, um, like uh, you know, many times have been done throughout my career. Um, you know, a, a presence, a very hardened presence, uh, could always be available, um, but hidden away as not to agitate uh, a large crowd. Um, but certainly, in this case, it seems like the response um, didn't match uh, what was going on, at least. From the onset. Mm-hmm. What about officers taking selfies with people who just broken into the Capitol? I mean, we've seen that happen at pre- peaceful protests throughout the year, but is that kind of a bridge too far when they've just basically broken down the doors of the nation's government? Yeah, so um, that, I find that whole part very peculiar because I, I do believe in the very beginning, that, um, and I could be wrong about this, that were, people were in there um, lawfully, and, but if, if it does turn out that um, you know, law enforcement officers were, you know, taking selfies with people who had just violated the law and broken into the U.S. Capitol. That's that's very concern, concerning. That's um, discouraging. And I hope they're they're held accountable um, by their respective agencies for that. Mm-hmm. One other thing I wanted to ask you about too. I mean, uh, there has been legislation proposed by Governor DeSantis, 
and that would impose tougher penalties on protesters where there's violence involved. Um, that now has sponsorship from uh, the Florida House and Senate, so um, sort of moving closer to becoming law. Here's something that DeSantis said yesterday, quote, while as Americans we all have a right to peace, peacefully assemble, violence or rioting of any kind is not acceptable and will not be tolerated in the state of Florida. In 2020, I proposed legislation to stop violent assemblies, combat rioting and protect law enforcement. In light of today's events at our United States Capitol, we have no time to waste to uphold public safety. Um, I'm just wondering, Sheriff Mina, I don't know how familiar with the details of that particular law, but what will that mean in practical terms for law enforcement officers if it's passed? And I wonder if you see any uh, impact for peaceful protest, uh, even though there uh, there is language in that law to say, you know, it does protect the rights of peaceful protest, because that is a concern of people that there could be a backlash uh, for other protesters. So first, I, w- I would say that, you know, we have a longstanding history here in, in the city of Orlando, in Orange County, um, back you know, when I was chief and now sheriff, that, you know, allowing people uh, to peacefully protest and, and have only really gotten involved when um, there has been violence committed uh, or laws uh, were being broken. But, you know, uh, you, you've seen the pictures. We, we've marched with, with peaceful protesters and um, you know, try to uh, create a trust and let people um, get their frustrations and feeling out in, in a peaceful manner. And, you know, I haven't seen all the legislation. I know many of the things in there um, really already exist. Like, it's already against the law to post something at law enforcement. It's mm-hmm. already against the law to, to block traffic. And I, it's my understanding that some of these are maybe enhanced penalties. Now, now anyone, you know, that is uh, responsible for hurling items, or uh, you're purposely trying to hurt law enforcement, I'm all for enhanced penalties. And I, there are some other you know, pieces of that legislation um, you know, that, that I don't necessarily agree with. So it'll be interesting to see as that makes, it, makes its way through um, our legislation here in Florida, what exactly um, is passed, what is added, what is cut out of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the, in the end, uh, you know, my my opinion is let's let's you know let's let people um, you know practice uh, their First Amendment right and and be able to um, peacefully protest, but let's hold those accountable who commit violence or property damage. I wanted to come back to a tweet that I read out earlier from um, a listener, Ben, who who wrote, do your panelists agree that a sweeping civil rights investigation into right-wing extremism and white supremacy in police forces is warranted? What are your thoughts on that? So, you know, as far as that, I I would just say that, um, you know, if you have evidence of of that type of activity um, of law enforcement, a specific law enforcement officer being involved, in in those type of organizations yes absolutely we've had policies on the books uh, for decades that prohibit um, those types of activities from law enforcement and you know would would take swift and certain action against that so you know to to just you know throughout this broad net um, you know could be unproductive but certainly um, if if we have information that a specific officer, a specific deputy, a specific law enforcement agency or a unit within that law enforcement agency is engaging or a member of these type of organizations, uh, we need to know about it. And it, 
definitely needs to be investigated. In the final few seconds here uh, we have with you, Sheriff Mina, are you concerned at all? Or is there any, any indication that there may be violence in Central Florida um, in the next couple of weeks leading up to Inauguration Day? No, absolutely no indication uh, that there will be any violence uh, in Central Florida. But we, we're always on the lookout for that. We have uh, a great system here in Central Florida to notify us, to, to always uh, uh, you know, share intelligence. And uh, we are the agencies here in Central Florida, uh, Orange County Sheriff's Office, the Orlando Police Department, uh, the FBI, the Secret Service, we have such a great working relationship. We're always constantly sharing information every day, even if it's the smallest detail, even if it's a story out of a a different state, um, always to see how it will impact Central Florida. Uh, But we will certainly be prepared uh, for anything that happens, as we are every single day, but we have not um, seen or heard uh, of any kind of insurrection or anything um, like that here in Central Florida. Orange County Sheriff John Mina, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Matthew. Uh, Frank Torres, I wanted to, to bring you into this conversation now and ask, I mean, you have said that uh, what law what lawmakers need to do across the aisles, up and down, um, you know, local, state, uh, federal, is, is condemn what happened in uh, the nation's capital very forcefully. What have you heard? What have you seen? Uh, do you think there has been enough condemnation of what went down? No, there hasn't been enough condemnation of what's been down. What I've been seeing is certain lawmakers sort of nibbling at the edges of what happened, as if they're afraid to condemn attacks, you know, rioters charging the Capitol, as if they're afraid to, you know, hold these people accountable. That's what I'm seeing a lot of out there, and some of it's happening right here with our own state lawmakers. And we have to make, make something clear. You know, these elected officials, they're from here. Their staff are from here. So when you have rioters charging the capitals, breaking through windows, knocking over police. And it's, it's, nothing, it's, it's as if they're attacking our neighbors right here in Orlando and breaking into offices here. And I don't understand why there's so much hesitation to push back at these attacks, especially when there's a land duck president who's on his way out and is, is absolutely in the wrong in every way, and it's also a prayer to condemn the attacks himself. So, yeah, I'm absolutely curious about it, and I, I haven't liked the response from some of our lawmakers uh, over the last 24 hours. I want to hear what your thoughts are, too. You can give us a call, one eight six six three three eight five two five two. What are you do, thinking about as you process what happened in Washington, D.C. yesterday, and what are your thoughts leading up to the inauguration over the next couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks of the interregnum? Uh, I want to take a call now from Mitt, who is calling in from Maitland. Uh, Mitt, what's on your mind? Hey, I just wanted to say I'm glad it happened. You know, uh, uh, it opened a lot of people's eyes. Uh, he, every rally President Trump has had since he's become president has just stirred the pot. But I wanted to ask Dick, what do you think his chances are in 2024? I, I'm not a good slogan kind of guy, but, you know, something like uh, overthrow the government again or uh, I don't know. <laughs> Mitt, thank you so much for your call. You, you think? Uh, thanks you know, so much for your call, Mitt. Uh, Dick Batchelor, thoughts on that? Is this setting up a, a run for president in 2024, or has that bridge been obliterated? Let me make uh, three points. The president, first of all, has taken himself hostage and threatened to shoot anybody who tries to rescue the hostage, which is himself. Hmm. Uh, way. One, I think uh, the leadership of the cabinet, the members, 
should approach Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, and ask him to take over for the remaining two weeks of this administration because we do not know what this man will do, Trump will do. So Mike Pence can step in to be vice president for the next two weeks with the support of the cabinet using the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. Or at least do a censure of this president so he leaves under the blight of an impeachment and the censure, which takes me to the next point in your question. His political currency has been diminished substantially. We knew he was going to leave. We knew that he's used the a crisis to generate a political action committee in excess of $300 million, which he was going to use. But I would give I – would, I would, if I were the two new elected senators from Georgia, I would thank the president for delivering the election to me. It was a close margin, but when the take came out of him trying to shake down the secretary of state for 11,000 votes, I think that pushed them over the finish line. Hmm. So to, to your point and to the questioner's point – I think the political currency of this president has been diminished significantly. I think any attempt to come back, that people will not think of anything he might have done and taken credit for, but they will think of this insurrection and that he fomented this insurrection. So I think his, his ability is now to come back in 2024. And it, to the last point, I hope that Senator Ted Cruz and others now understand, with being such a supplicant, you do not need to follow this guy around led by the nose. He doesn't have the political influence you thought he would have. You you cast your lot with the wrong person. The political influence is not there for him to come back in 2024. Uh, Dick Batchelor, stay on the line. Also, uh, Frank Torres, we are going to be back in a minute. You are listening to Intersection on 90.7 News. I'm Matthew Petty, live talking about the chaos in D.C., reactions from Floridians and what comes next. Taking your calls as well. We're back in a minute. This is Intersection. I'm Matthew Petty. We're live talking about the chaos in D.C., reactions from Floridians, and uh, we want to hear from you as well. What is your reaction to the scenes in the nation's capital? What happens between now and Inauguration Day? Now, yesterday when members of the House and Senate resumed the vote count, uh, we did hear some change of heart from some folks. Uh, Senator Rick Scott voted to support one of the objections, while Senator Marco Rubio voted no on both. And in the House, all of Florida's Democrats voted no on the objections, while all but two Republicans voted yes. Let's have a listen to a little bit of what Matt Gates had to say. President Trump explicitly called for demonstrations and protests to be peaceful. He was far more, you can moan and groan, but he was far more explicit about his calls for peace than some of the BLM and left-wing rioters were this summer when we saw violence sweep across this nation. All right, so it's a little bit of uh, Representative Matt Gates there um, offering an apology of sorts for President Trump. Frank Torres, um, your thoughts? Oh, <laughs> on Matt Gates, how much time do you have? Possibly, the, possibly, a, key, possibly a key assistant in the downfall of, uh, of, of Donald Trump's overall effect in a lot of the states out there. And, you know, I think it's really interesting. He, he, he saw, he kind of took the, he's kind of looking at the Ron DeSantis model, because you'll remember the governor was, you know, a major uh, presence on cable TV uh, before, uh, you know, he got elected. And so Matt Gates sort of took that role, except he's taking it in the, in the far, even farther extreme direction than we've ever seen before. And let me tell you something. It is because of, Donald Trump's rhetoric and Matt Gates's rhetoric that Republicans can't win a seat in Orlando anymore. 
Hmm. In Donald Trump's time, they've lost the Orange County Commission, they've lost the state uh, legislative uh, delegation, and they've lost the congressional delegation. Now, listen, if you want to support the president for his policies, that's fine. But make no mistake, he's not going to be president anymore because he couldn't get off Twitter and he couldn't uh, control his uh, – his little sidekicks like Matt Gates up there at a panhandle. Absolutely well, disgraceful. Well, he has been banned from Twitter for a little bit. He'll be back, no doubt, but uh, a bit of a, a pause on that. I want to take a couple of calls here. Uh, Willie and Volusia, um, what are your thoughts? Willie, you're on the air. Okay, we're going to go to Shannon. Um, Shannon, are you there? Yes, sir. Well, yeah, what, what's going through uh, your mind thinking about this? Make, I don't mean to make church and state, but I just want to uh, quote the words of our Lord saying, Father, forgive him, for they know not what they're doing. So, so you think the, uh, the, the lawmakers need to have a bit of self-reflection there? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they need to be forgiven, for they know not what they're doing. Shannon, thank you so much for your call. I do appreciate that. Um, well, uh, let me go back to you, Dick Batchelor. Um, I mean, I don't know how much time you spent staying up last night watching um, C-SPAN to see what was going on as uh, as those votes were counted. Uh, thoughts on what we heard from lawmakers from Florida and elsewhere in the country? Well, I... I'm going to follow up and applaud Frank Torres for being as candid uh, about this and making a distinction between it's one thing to support Republican policies and the president's policies, another thing that supports sedition. So I I applaud that distinction. Uh, Let me say a quick word about Matt Gates. Matt Gates reminds me of somebody auditioning for the next circus coming to town. He wants to stay with his circus. He wants to be the little court jester. Donald Trump. He he wanted to be the attorney general. His ambitions really are grandiose, and I think they they, they now have been uh, diminished. But he he does remind me, he might want to be the clown in the barrel and let the bull knock him around. That's what he's been doing. That's what he might as well do. You know, he... It says you know there's the old thing about the bull in the china closet. Well, he has his own china closet that goes with him. It's very portable, and he and he demonstrates that every single day. Now, yes, I watched a lot of it last night, and I, I, w- I was not surprised by Senator Scott because he thinks he's going to run for president one day. He wants to be a supplicant of Donald Trump. But again, just like the others, like Holly and others and Ted Cruz, I think they've cast their lot with the wrong person. They, they, might, have cho- they, they, they might have chosen a horse to ride, but this horse is leaving town. I want to get to uh, another call here. Um, Willie, I believe we have you back on the line from Volusia County. What are your thoughts? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, you might want to just turn your radio down as you talk. Oh, yes, sir. So what are your thoughts? My thoughts is that uh, uh, the whole thing happened yesterday was a total chaos from our democracy. Uh, if there had been uh, Black Lives Matter or any other protesting group, would have had um, all kind of uh, uh, defending policemen and 
all the other uh, officers would have been there, and I guarantee you it would have been more people shot and killed than anything. Hmm. So a difference in the way uh, policing was rolled out. Uh, Willie, thank you so much for weighing in. I'm going to go to Henry in Coco. Henry, um, thoughts on what happened yesterday? Yeah, um, what I saw from yesterday is that with the Republicans uh, not uh, doing what they needed to do in the impeachment trial to impeach Donald Trump, they 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 allowed this to happen, and the murders that happened at the at the Capitol should be laid at the Republicans' feet because if they had have done what they were supposed to do and impeach the president when he was supposed to be impeached, none of these people would have been killed and none of this would have happened. And because the people knew already his temperament, but uh, no one in the Republican Party wanted to, to, to admit the, the, the chaos that was going on. They closed their eyes. They looked the other way. And now people are dead. And now this country has a reputation of, 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 of this type of behavior. And I think going forward, this is only going to get worse because the people who have been um, perpetrating this or, or have, have a case like the, uh, blood in the water, mm-hmm. now they're going to continue to act and behave in this way going forward when it comes down to elections. And they're going to try to, to, to take the votes going forward. And that's just my, my opinion. If, if, if the Republicans don't uh, get rid of Trump immediately, they're going to set a precedent, and going forward, this stuff is going to continue to happen. Those are my thoughts. Henry, thank you so much for weighing in. I just wanted to clarify something, too, for our listeners. Um, uh, according to officials, one person was shot and killed by law enforcement. That, that was somebody who had was among the crowd that had broken into the, uh, the nation's capital yesterday. And then three other people died, uh, medical events, uh, uh, evidently. Um, so some of the, the results of the violence in D.C. yesterday. I want to just hear, play a little bit of um, sound, too, from Senator Marco Rubio. Now, he voted against the objections. Um, let's just take a quick listen to what Senator Rubio had to say. My entire life, my entire life, I have lived with and next to people who came to America because their country was chaotic and their country was unsafe. What I saw today, what we have seen, looks more like those countries than the extraordinary nation that I am privileged to call home. All right, so that's Senator Marco Rubio there. Um, I was kind of struck by that, Frank Torres. It sounded kind of more like the Marco Rubio we knew from more than four years ago than the one we've heard in the last four years. Your thoughts? Yeah, you mean the one before, the party we had before... Trumpism came out, came took over and, took, uh, and put us where we are now. And listen, I think we need to take a little bit of direction from that. Rubio gets a, a tough draw because the the Trumpers don't like him, and you know he also uh, upsets you know a lot of Democrats as well. Mm-hmm. But you know he he's right, and I think that we need to take this opportunity to rebuild and get back to winning races the way we did before this crazy Twitter rhetoric and charging the Capitol ever took place. And that was by being smarter and sticking to, to issues and principles that, you know, can appeal to everybody except a tiny block of voters which have somehow hijacked uh, the, the entire wing of uh, American politics today. Uh, how tiny is that block of voters? I mean, you know, 70-plus million Americans voted for President Trump, and, of course, we don't know the exact reasons why every single one of those voted for Trump, but we did see big crowds in D.C. yesterday. Of course, they aren't indicative or aren't representative of every single Republican voter, but... Seems like there is a pretty big groundswell of support there. 
And, and, you know, and that's, and that's the question a lot of people are going to be asking, and that's the question that's going to be thrown at Republicans running for office for years to come. Are you one of those people charging the Capitol? And that's the kind of messaging that they're going to have to fight back vigorously against to say no, and that they're, like, you know, a party of fiscal responsibility and, you know, and, and limited government that allows personal freedoms. And if they can't do that, they're going to be fighting back against this rhetoric and this terrible damage that was done. Uh, by, you know, by, you know, these followers of President Trump yesterday for years to come. There's a lot of work to be done, and there's going to be a lot of repairing to do. Dick Batchelor, is there room for some kind of third party to come in here, or uh, is that is that a bridge too far, do you think? Uh, third parties are very difficult. Not one has really, uh, really done much since uh, Mr. Anderson ran and lost Perot. But let, let me uh, answer your question. As a one, I applaud Senator Rubio, too. And I was thinking about Senator Rubio last night because he uh, he's of Cuban heritage. And if you look at the votes that we lost in Florida, we lost a lot of Hispanic votes in South Florida, primarily Republican uh, mm-hmm. Cubans and Venezuelans. And it was all about that. So I was waiting for him to stand up and say, this is like Cuba during Castro. This is not what we do. So I was very proud of Senator Rubio's comment. And secondly, I think it makes my other point regarding the dilution of influence post-Trump administration when he goes back to the private sector and stays in the political arena, but he's not going to be as welcome. I'm looking at Facebook a lot now recently to see what people are saying. A great number of Republicans, including Frank Torres, have come out and said there's a distinction between Republican principles and the Republican Party of old, the Reagan years, Mm -hmm. and the Trump agenda, right? And so people can go back to that. So I think a lot of people who voted for Trump, some voted because they were they were pro-life, mm-hmm. and they're not going to vote any other way. I understand that. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of economic conservatives that because the economic voted for him. There are a lot of moderate Republicans that I think would fault their votes, and that's why you had two U.S. senators in Georgia win, right. Democrats. And I think Marco Rubio is now basically saying, I don't have to live under the threat or the shadow Mm. of Trump anymore. Let's do the right thing. So I think uh, you're going to see a lot of people pulling away from Trump. We are going to have to wrap it up there. We've been speaking with Dick Batchelor, former Democratic state lawmaker. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Dick. Thank you, sir. And Frank Torres, Republican political analyst. Uh, You can find his writing over at franktorres.org. Frank, thank you as well. Thanks, man. Also, we were joined earlier by former Florida Supreme Court Justice James Perry. Production assistance for today's show from Brendan Byrne, Mac Dula, and Steve Yasko. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us online at wmfe.org. Support for Intersection comes from Advent Health. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening. <laughs>